this morning as well. I want to talk this morning about the honest and truthful church. We've talked about leadership and how important that is in the church. We've talked about prayer and how important that is. We've talked about a basic underlying understanding that it's God who builds the church, not human ingenuity, and how important that is. Last week, we talked about obedience, and God builds his church through his obedient people. Today, it's uh, through honesty and truthfulness, being absolutely critical to a healthy and growing church. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we, we just uh, pause for a moment and we ask you to be very much present here, speaking through your word, speaking by your spirit, touching our hearts. I pray that our hearts would be like the good soil that Jesus spoke of this morning, that the seeds would fall into the furrows and be germinated and would grow and bear a crop. So Lord, uh, bear fruit amongst us this morning through your word, we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read a passage from Genesis 3, very famous passage. It's a tragic passage as well. This is after uh, the man and the woman have eaten the forbidden fruit, and all of a sudden some doors were opened up that led to terrible things. But I'll just read here, starting in verse 7, Genesis 3, verse 7. After they had eaten, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <clears throat> These next words are strange. As he was walking in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. <clears throat> All of a sudden, things were different between the first humans and God on the earth. And, uh, you know, uh, the little preamble in the uh, Friday announcements online said this, ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, we've been covering up our faults. But tragically, it keeps God at arm's length. This morning, we will explore how honesty in the church is another key to its health and growth. We live in a, in a world of lies, in case you hadn't noticed. A world that doesn't speak the truth or value it or treasure it. The church should be a place that is different. That is an oasis of truth in the desert of lies. I wonder how we are doing. Now, my purpose this morning isn't to call you a bunch of liars. Uh, <clears throat> it's a universal human instinct. And we're humans. And we're fallen humans. Uh, if, if our faith is in Christ, we're saved. But we're still fallen humans. And, and there's this instinct is to cover and to hide in the bushes when God comes near because we're aware uh, of, of our faults, our sins, our nakedness as they were our shame. And, uh, and so this is a word for the church because it's a word for everyone. The, the uh, Apostle Paul spoke to the Ephesian church, not to the, the unchurched, but to the actual church. And, uh, and he said, put away falsehood. Uh, speak the truth to one another. A little earlier in Ephesians 4, he said, speak the truth in love and the church will be built up. Um, <clears throat> Colossians, he says, stop 
uh, telling falsehoods to one another. So it's a problem of, of just all of us. And uh, so I want to explore it a little bit this morning and, and speak of how important honesty and transparency and truth-telling is in, uh, in the church. Uh, I believe that uh, uh, lies and covering up leave us stuck, stagnant, not able to grow, not able to change because I'm hiding inside of a lie. But uh, when I crack that open and begin to tell the truth, as difficult as that is, something changes and things begin to move forward. A whole church can begin to move forward with a commitment across all of its people to speak the truth to God and to one another and to ourselves, our own inner self. Um, and so this is so, so very important. How might these lies happen? Well, just a couple of you know, scenarios here. <clears throat> John, we've uh, missed you at our prayer group lately. Uh, we've had some really good times praying together and we hope you can rejoin us soon because John used to come. John here, right? Uh, and uh, so John replies and says, I've been missing you too. Uh, I've been so busy lately, I hope to see you soon. Problem is, that's not the truth. It's not the real truth, which John finds very hard to say, actually. The real truth uh, was something like this. John says only to himself, I've given up on prayer. God doesn't seem to answer my prayers. I've been praying about something and nothing's happening and I'm getting discouraged and so I'm leaving prayer to others who still believe in it and I'll give that hour of my week to uh, something more profitable. I'm a doer, so says John. But that was the truth. You know what? God loves the truth. Can I repeat that? God loves the truth, even if it sounds ugly. That's a good starting point with God. I'll come back to that statement and say it several different ways. John, where have you been reading in the Bible lately? Oh, well, I haven't been reading too much lately and I have my excuses and my reasons and everything and, and that's my covering for it. Sounds okay. So, yeah, me too, you know, and, and that. But maybe the real truth is something like this. Frankly, I'm not telling you this audibly, but I'm telling you inside myself. Frankly, I find the Bible to be confusing and boring and irrelevant and the articles on my phone are much more interesting and helpful, so I read that in the morning. But that's the truth. Uh, John, I know that uh, you uh, have a difficulty with this other person over here on the other side of the auditorium and that you haven't spoken to them for a long time and, uh, you know, and, and we're probing how's that relationship going and, and they know that I hurt that person and that I need to go and ask forgiveness and humble myself and I might have my reasons and I have my excuses and I got my fig leaves out in full, but the real truth is I don't like that person whatever words I might use, they've offended me too and uh, I refuse to go and grovel before them. I have my dignity, you know. When they change, they can come to me and maybe we can have a good talk. Well, that's the truth about the situation. <clears throat> God loves an ugly sounding truth more than he loves a sweet sounding lie. God loves the truth. He can start there. He can work there. That opens the door for him to begin to work. 
Our avoidance of the truth as individuals or even as a whole church is a big reason why individuals or maybe marriages or friendships or whole churches stay stuck and they can't move forward. And they might stay stuck the rest of their life. I, 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 I speculate there are Christians who read their Bibles, come to church, and, uh, and give money, but they're stuck and they haven't grown an inch spiritually in years and maybe never will because they're stuck on something. And it might be the refusal to just open up and speak the truth and let God's spirit move. That is the key to growth. It's very important for me at this point, before I go any further, to say this telling of truth, openness, etc., cetera, can, uh, can be scary. This, is, this was one of the hardest things for me, and I'm still no angel at it either, about being open and telling the truth, but I've learned and I've grown, I can tell you. When I was younger, I would rather have had a root canal without freezing than, 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 than to sit in a group and, that's saying, let's be open with each other. Like, I'd be like, please, where's the, where's the door? Seriously. And, and that may be you. So I want to say this, is that being truthful with, and open with one another should never be forced, never be manipulated at all. If you have a small group leader and they say, tonight we're all going to tell the truth and be open with one another, get out of there right away. It's probably not going to be productive or fun. It has to be a moving of God's spirit in a person. The sweet, wise, good spirit of God can sometimes lead us to a place where we'll share things and it'll be so good and it won't have been so hard at all. And God is glorified in that. So let's, let's remember that. Also, I'm not talking about me telling the truth to you about you. We're pretty good at that. I'm talking about me telling the truth to me or me telling the truth about me, okay? This is more my self opening up and disclosing and telling the truth. Okay, question, what happens when we hide and cover over the truth? What happens in our church? What happens between people? What happens in my soul? And what happens when, conversely, I speak the truth and engage with it and, uh, and humble myself and do the hard work of telling the truth? I'd like to say that something good, when I speak the truth, something good happens between me and God, something good happens between me and you, and something good happens within my own soul. So let's just explore that briefly for the remainder of our time this morning. There's very some, something good happens between me and God. Remember I said God loves truth, even if it looks ugly because he can begin to work there. We're getting real. There's a verse in Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. Stay stuck. But he who confesses and forsakes them, i.e. tells the truth, will find mercy. Mercy is good stuff. And we need to find it. And we find it when we confess and tell the truth. As long as we cover our sins with excuses and rationalizations, God seems distant and displeased. Jesus once told a story. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. This is in Luke 18. We won't read it. 
One man who went up was a Pharisee, very respected in his community, very religious. People would defer to this man, uh, very highly thought of in the community. The other guy that went up to the temple was a tax collector, despised person, probably a cheater, probably greedy somehow, working for Rome, uh, not, not, not in good standing. So Jesus told us a little bit about the Pharisee's prayer, and I think maybe you've heard the story, but the Pharisee said, I thank you, Lord, that I am not like other people, especially like this tax collector over here. I tithe and I, uh, I fast twice a week. He's going on telling the Lord how good he is. That's an ugly sounding lie. <clears throat> Jesus said, that man went home unjustified because he was lying to himself about himself. He was lying to God about himself and anybody who was listening. But the other half of the story is that there was a tax collector and uh, his prayer was very short, very simple, but very honest. It says he wouldn't even look up to heaven and that he beat himself on the breast in grief and that he said, God, I'm a sinner and I need your mercy. And Jesus said, in conclusion, he who exalts himself as the Pharisee did will be humbled. And he who humbles himself by telling the truth will be exalted. And uh, what, a, what a stark contrast that it all revolves around the truth that I am or am not speaking to God. When we tell the truth, even if it sounds terrible, almost like I can't, I can't even say those words, but are they true? Yes, they are true. Speak them in the presence of God. Rather than departing from you, he will draw closer. He who confesses and forsakes will find mercy or slash compassion, one translation says. God's compassion is a good thing. I'm reading a book right now called When Prayer Becomes Real uh, by a pair of co-authors. And uh, they just keep pounding and pounding and pounding all the way through the book about being honest with God. And, uh, and that if your prayer life is dry, your prayer life is boring, you, you know, you struggle with your prayer life, they say, try telling the truth to God. Just talk to him about what's really happening in your life, what you're really feeling in your soul, what you're struggling with. They said, God is attracted to that. He doesn't hate sinners, he loves sinners. And as we, as I, as they're, they're saying that, you know, uh, their, their favorite verse is Romans 5, 8, that says, we know love by this. Uh, <clears throat> No, that's the wrong verse. No, anyhow, it says that uh, God, uh, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not after I cleaned and shined myself all up and God said, good job, I think I'll die for your sins. <clears throat> he died for us when we didn't even care. When we were still sinning, he died for us. And their whole point is, if I'm still struggling with sin now in my Christian life, draw near to God in honesty with that. Talk to him about that. It will revolutionize your prayer life. Be honest. You say, well, I haven't prayed for all the missionaries in Japan yet. Get around to that later, but talk to him honestly about what's going on in your heart and in your soul. Jesus didn't die for perfect, bright, the perfect, bright, and shiny me. He died for the sinning me. And he calls me now to follow him. <clears throat> God is more pleased 
when I tell the truth and end up looking bad than when I tell lies to make myself look good. Number two, when I tell the truth, good things happen between me and others. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 6, 11 to 13, slide number two. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. These were Christians uh, who had come out of a really rough, sinful background, but had come to Christ, but they were in the process of changing, and they were in the process of learning to be open and to tell the truth to one another. And Paul talks about this a little bit right here. When he says, we have, Paul had just finished being very open with the Corinthians about his struggles and his weaknesses, and now he's inviting them to do the same. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. And then he pleads with them, open wide your hearts to us also. This is speaking the truth to one another. You've heard of superficial, shallow relationships existing only on the surface level. <clears throat> Concealing and hiding keep our relationships in the shallows. But opening our hearts to one another will take us into the deeper and richer waters. Uh, I'll, get, I'll tell a few stories to give you some examples here. When I was single uh, and living with three roommates, um, <clears throat> we were sitting around one day just talking. I don't know if we were having a Bible study or, or what. We were talking as, as you know, young men in their 20s would. And, and all of a sudden, one of the guys kind of became silent. And then he, he said, guys, uh, I, wanna, I wanna tell you something about myself. We all, oh really? This is different. And, uh, and he struggled to tell us, but he told us about a pattern of sin in his life that was troubling him and he couldn't, he couldn't overcome it. And he said, I, I, I just want you to. And uh, there was silence for a moment, appreciation of what he said and, and, and recognition of the courage that it took. And then a second guy spoke up and he said, well, I need prayer too. And, uh, and he spoke of a situation in his life. And then a third guy. And then the fourth, all of us ended up following the first guy's lead into deeper waters, into the truth and the reality of what's going on in our lives and how we could pray real prayers for one another. I remember when the first guy spoke, the atmosphere in the room just changed like that into something much better, something so good. And then out came thoughts and sharings from, from each other. And, and, uh, and, and uh, when we tell the truth to one another, something good happens between people, right? There, there's, a, there's an openness, there's a trust, there's a respect. I'm not asking you to ever tell that kind of truth to someone you don't trust or someone who isn't safe. How will you know if I'm a safe person? Well, you can listen to how I talk about other people who aren't present in the room. If I, do I protect them? Do I care for them? Do I still love them even though they're not here? That shows something about how I value truth and, and privacy issues and confidentiality, etc. But uh, so, so, as I said, something, something beautiful happened in the room when we had that moment together. Friday night, uh, I was uh, at the backyard group that some, some guys from our church get together over at Jared Irvin's and uh, we were sitting around the fire pit 
uh, being guys, and, and, uh, and then Jared led a discussion, and he read passages of scripture, and we, he asked questions, and we discussed things, and probably about three quarters of the way through, as I was listening to the discussion, I began pinching myself, saying, this is weird. There's 19 guys sitting around here talking about their feelings and relationships. I thought I died and gone to heaven or something. Like, it was, it was, it was good. And women, you can be proud of us for, for, for venturing out into the, at least up to our knees in the water and uh, getting out of the shallows. And it, it was good, but, but it was healthy. It was building trust. It's what the Bible calls fellowship, or, which means sharing in common the life of Christ together. Remember this, truth begets truth. Openness begets openness, and sadly, lies beget more lies. Let's tell the truth. <clears throat> the outcome of moving in this admittedly scary direction is Christ-centered relationships marked by a kind of love and care that the rest of the world is thirsting for and will be attracted to. Over the years we have sung, they will know we are Christians by our love. Thirdly, what happens when we tell the truth inside of our own selves, inside of our own souls? This is important as well. In the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, as the Pharisee spoke words that were planned to make him look good. You can smell it a mile away. Something was wrong in his soul. Something wasn't right there. It kind of made you go, whoa. I, I, we, we recognize that those sorts of lies. He was not telling God the truth. He was not telling uh, anybody who was listening the truth. And he was not telling himself the truth about himself. Something was misaligned within him. In the case of the tax collector, unknown, maybe notorious sinner who was coming to terms with some things, the very truthful tax collector, something very healthy was stirring within his soul. And we can sense that as well. Something healthy was developing and growing. I don't know if it was the old Quakers or the old Puritans, but when they would meet each other on the street, it is said that they would greet each other and say, brother, sister, good morning. And then they would say, how is it with your soul? That's a good question. That's going to the real you. Let's talk about what's going on in our soul. Hopefully, we're able to speak truth there about ourselves with one another. When I cover my sin and I lie to myself, it creates a fracture in my soul, and I'm not well inside. The external me is projecting a false image of who I am, and the internal me knows it full well and experiences a confusing dissonance between what I know I am and what I'm portraying myself to be. I, I, I find myself increasingly exhausted, working hard to cover and fill all the cracks and the fissures created by living a known falsehood. The word integrity comes to mind. Integrity means the state of being whole, 
and undivided. No dissonance between public and private. Uh, a seamlessness between one's public self and the private self. No lies need to be covered because no lies are being told. Telling the truth nurtures a healthy soul. Jesus himself said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I repeat, <clears throat> an ugly truth is more appreciated by God than a sweet-sounding lie. A church with a climate and a culture of honesty and truthfulness will be blessed by God and will be able to grow in every way. It will grow deeper and stronger in its intimacy with God. It will grow in the quality of the fellowship and the sharing and the trust between its members. And it will grow in the inner healthiness of the souls of its people. <clears throat> Back in the 70s, there, there still is, but there was uh, a, a Christian uh, university near Chicago in the city of Wheaton called Wheaton College. Uh, and uh, the students were having a, what they called a Christian emphasis week. They had speakers come in, speak to them uh, challenges about discipleship, following Christ, the Christian life, etc. And uh, <clears throat> near the end of that week, God's spirit had been moving and touching people's hearts and the final speaker finished and there was some silence in the room of several hundred students. And uh, all of a sudden, a student got up over on this side and uh, walked down the aisle slowly. People looked, came towards the mic and the speaker stepped aside and the student said, I'd like to uh, confess something to the student body could hear a pin drop. And the person talked about some kind of relational difficulty with another person in the room where they, where they really, he felt uh, that he'd been sinning in his treatment of another person. And he confessed it in front of the whole two or 300 fellow students. He just felt like I, I needed to confess this to my community. I know it affects other people. Then he went and sat down. And the person that he'd been talking about got up down the aisle to the mic and they shared similar things. And then they embraced and hugged in front of everybody. Truth was being told. Oh, and then someone else came to the mic and shared, confessed some kind of sin, speaking the truth about their life. And then someone else came. Pretty soon they were lined up at the mic. They were there for several hours called revival. It's called renewal. The church needs periodic revivals to bring us back online, bring us back on track. That's a healthy group where truth is being told. Revivals are marked by different things, sometimes by wonderful miracles, sometimes by amazing prayer, sometimes by truthful confession like that to one another. It cleanses the room. I've been talking a lot this morning about covering, covering sin and covering our nakedness and covering our shame as something that we tend to do. Jesus, our Savior, <clears throat> the uncontested hero of the gospel, hung naked and very uncovered 
on a cross in order to provide for us a true covering for all of our sins for all time. This is very good news. You know, we don't need to cover anymore. It's been done. When Jesus said, it is finished, that covered a lot of territory when he cried that out from the cross. And part of it was the provision of a covering over, admittedly, our sin and our shame. The Old Testament has a word called atonement. It, it appears many times in, in books such as Leviticus. <clears throat> the Hebrew word for atonement is kapar, and it means to cover or to cover over. And uh, they would sacrifice uh, a lamb to provide atonement or to provide a covering for sin. They had an annual day, which was their most solemn day of worship, uh, called the Day of Atonement, uh, where they would sacrifice a lamb to cover the sins of the whole nation. And the, the God had inaugurated this, this procedure. It was important. They, they called the Day of Atonement, you might have heard this word, Yom Kippur. Yom means day, Kippur, Kippur means covering. And, uh, and so... Jews still practice that day today, these days. But the Christian gospel asserts very strongly that the day of atonement was finally fulfilled when Jesus died to cover our sins once and for all. Sometimes we sing in the old hymn, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Gospel means good news. Now that our sins do not condemn us anymore, we can finally be truly honest about them, and that is good news indeed. Lord, help us in our humanity, help us in our weakness, help us with our fears. Take us by the hand and lead us out of the bushes so that we can fellowship richly and fully with you and not be stuck in our walk of discipleship, but be growing and able to move forward. All of this to the glory of God. Amen.